I was saying that a person that lends money and charging interest between Jew to a Jew, it's a guarantee that all his businesses will collapse. People who their business collapse because of different reasons, they have a chance to come back on their feet. But people who lend money with interest, not only that their business will not collapse, when times the resurrection of the debt come, they don't resurrect in the resurrection of the debt, as I said before, unless, un unless if the, per the Jew that they're lending money is in Mechalel Shabbat. Someone who doesn't keep Shabbat and know Shabbat it's a holy day, somebody like that consider in a halacha like a goy. And when you charge him interest, you did not violate the laws of the Torah because he is in a band out of Judaism as long as he's not Shomer Shabbat. But if he become religious in a term of the loan, you have a problem because now you're not allowed to charge him anything. You have to return to him the money and not charge another penny of interest. Jews to non-Jews allowed to give interest, allowed to give and allowed to charge. However, however, we said before that there are, when you give loans, there are uh, orders who you are obligated to give more. First your brother, somebody from your neighborhood, they come from someone from another town is secondary. Jews and non-Jews, the Jews come first because the Torah says, Achicha, your brother, someone from my nation, Therefore, sometimes the Torah does not say, just speak general, that Jews and non-Jews, you should not kill, no one. You should not steal from anyone. But finding a person to give him his lost object, I'm obligated now to search for, I found something on the street, only to my people from my nation. And same thing here, giving loans, what's my obligation? First to my brothers and sisters, if I have still more, I can give it to other person. So this is briefly what I hope that uh, the recording didn't uh, die in the beginning. Uh, we'll see, we'll go over it later and we'll see what, what we, we lost and not. Okay, now the Gemara say people who give them, um, uh, they charge interest, it's very sweet in their mouth, but they don't know that really it's only an illusion. And uh, if you lend money to a person, when you see him coming on the street, not only you're not allowed to go face to face with him. You have to go away that he doesn't see you because you're not allowed to embarrass him. You know, not like today, he runs after him everywhere he is that to remind him, to remind him hey, you're 30 days late. So you have to make sure that you hide because the Torah says, you're not allowed to be like a police, like a master who runs after him to collect. As if you know he doesn't have. If you know he's a multi-millionaire and he's just a crook, so he doesn't want to pay you, it's a different story, you're allowed. But you know, there's a doubt. You don't know. Maybe he has, maybe he doesn't have. Not because he has a fancy car, means he has cash now. He may not have any cash. He lost it in a, in a stock market, whatever. If you don't know for sure he has the money, you're not allowed to bother him. Then the Torah continues. The Torah says like this. Someone, Amar someone who has uh, money, funds, and give them out without witnesses, violating the rules of the Torah. He has to always make sure that he has witnesses that saw that he gives money to this individual. Even if he trusts him very much, even if he has beautiful beard, even if he's the rabbi of the shul, even if the cheap rabbi of the world, doesn't matter. You want loan from me? If it's a check, you don't need witnesses. It's a legal document, everybody sees. But if it's cash, you have to put people to see how you count the cash and give it to him, and they have to sign. If you have a star, if you make an agreement, if you don't make a star, 
you just give it to him, they still, the witnesses have to remember that you gave him the money. Why is it? Because this is helping us to eliminate our evil inclination. Because remember, what's happening is the evil inclination, once you take the loan, you intend 100% to give it back. But after you have it, comes the Satan and begin to drill in your head. Don't give it to him, he's rich. You have to pay your children tuition. Come on, what's gonna happen? He will forgive you, don't worry. There's all kinds of things in the head. But, and especially when there's no witnesses. Deny that he gave you the money. So big deal. One person will hate you, but at least you have all the money for yourself. It's very difficult, the academy is very bad. But once there's witnesses, you don't begin to think like this. You know, right away, it takes you to the bait, then you have a big embarrassment. Everyone in town knows that you're a crook. So the witnesses really prevent you from making the scene. It's for both sides' benefit, not only the lender. The borrower, it will save him from a scene. You understand? Even if he's your best friend. If you remember, once I told a story about two friends from a factory in Israel, they worked together for 40 years in the Dead Sea factories in Israel. And one of them, he retired, he got his retirement money. Still working, but he's already officially retired. And uh, they gave him his money, and his friend wanted to marry his daughter. He told him, can you lend me the money next year when I get my retirement money, I'll give you back your money. He lent him the money, he trusted him, he brought a bag full of money. I think it was 40,000 lirot, something like that, a long time ago. That story is at least 30-something years ago, at least. And uh, after a year, he got his uh, retirement money, and he comes and says, hey, you say that once you get it, you give it to me. I also have a, a daughter to marry. So he started to tell him, what money? He never gave me anything. So he told him, don't play games with me, you know. Come on, it's all my money, it's all my life saving. No, you never gave me anything. What are you talking about? So eventually they ended up in a Jewish court. And uh, Dayan, the judge, was Rabbi Yaakov Mutsafi, Zecher Tzadik Livracha. He was a big Talmid uh, Chacham and a Kabbalist. And, uh, you know, and uh, what happened is, he asked him, do you have any, any note that he signed? No. Do you have any witnesses? No. Don't you know the Torah saying now to give money without witnesses? Oh, it's my body. For 40 years, we, we're together working from morning to night 40 years. You expect someone like this to do it to you? So the rabbi knew that he's right, but there's nothing to back it up. You cannot go based on your feeling. You don't judge a trial based on feelings, based on certainties, possibilities, suspicion, etc., etc. You don't go like this. It has to be a hundred. In Israel, in the Jewish law, you don't have is uh, is innocent if there is a reasonable doubt. Is guilty if there's no reasonable doubt. This is in America, not in the Torah. In the Torah, is innocent if there is any doubt, even one percent doubt, and is guilty only if it's proven a hundred percent. There's no reasonable, take away the reasonable. This is an American invention. According to the Torah, a person that wasn't proven guilty, you cannot, do, you cannot touch him, you have to let him go. Even though everybody feels that he is the criminal, he wasn't proven, there's no way to judge a person when he still have a doubt that maybe he didn't do it. So 
Now the rabbi knows he has to find a way that this person will admit. So he told him, come back tomorrow morning. We're going to bring a dead body, that someone who will die today. I will call Hevrat Kadisha. I'll tell them to bring the, the body into the Beit Din. And before I let you go, because obviously I cannot get the money out of you, so I just want you to hold the hand of the dead body and repeat a few words after me. And if you really didn't get the money, then you're free to go. And that's, but you should know that if you did get the money, we, we the Kabbalists, have a special way that this dead person's hands will be tighter and tighter on you until it will smash your hands and you can die. It's not a joke. So you have to think again if you want to go through it. That's my way to know if you really got the money or not since there's no witnesses and no note. So the guy said, this rabbi is telling me all these stories now. Body, dead body. It's a lot of money for this. It's a whole retirement money. So okay, rabbi, I'll come tomorrow 9 o'clock. So really, you see, in the morning he come, you see an ambulance of Hevrat Kadisha, they bring a body, they bring it inside with wheels. They're inside, starting to get nervous. Then the rabbi say, repeat after me, hold the hand of the dead body. And he says to him like this, repeat after me, I never got the money. Uh, he gives him the whole thing. I promise, he never gave it to me ever before, no. And while he's doing it, he started to feel that really the dead person is holding his hand tighter and tighter. And the rabbi says, see, I already see that the hand of the, of the body is closing on you. And I'm telling you, it's going to become worse until you can fall and die. Be careful. Don't say, I didn't warn you. Don't say, I didn't warn you. Be careful. After it became really hard, he started to get nervous. He said, OK, OK, rabbi, rabbi, fine, fine, you're right. I got the money. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What, how much you got? 40,000. Where? In a locker room. How long ago? A year ago. Why you don't pay it back? I will pay it back, I promise. You sure? You admit? Yes. Okay, you can get up. <laughs> the dead person became very alive. The resurrection of the dead. Everybody hugged in the court, they're clapping. That was the chacham. That's what the Torah told the judges. You have to be a snake with the snakes. You gotta be a snake with a snake. That's the only way to get things out of them. You know, it was the, the Rama, Rabbi Moshe Iserlish. It's the main Ashkenazi posek in the last 500 years. In Shulchan Aruch, he have all his comments. All the Ashkenazim all over the world follow his psakim. So the Rama was also a judge. One time, he saw a couple of people, the one suing the other for money, for... So he actually blamed him. No, there's a person went to sleep in a motel, and he had a gold watch, and he hid the gold watch under his blanket, whatever. And then when he came back, there was only the owner of the motel, and the watch disappeared. Now, who has the key to the room? The owner, the, the owner of the motel. And the, the gold watch disappeared. So he took him to Beidin. Now there's no witnesses. So he saw, the Ramah saw that the thief has a silver tobacco box. You know the round tobacco box, the powder, the brown powder that the old people like to put some in their nose and makes them sneeze? It's not so in style anymore. When I was a kid, almost all the old people in Israel from the Middle Eastern country, they were pushing it into their nose. That's all what they do all day. They pull it in and sneeze. And you know, that's how it is. And I, by the way, saw a few days ago a chassid Hasid, yes, Hasid is taking tobacco and put it in his nose. 
I saw it. I was very surprised. Yeah, anyway, okay, so what happened? Usually it was Moroccans, Yemenites, Iraqis, these kind of people. Anyway, now, so he saw that the crook has a beautiful tobacco box, and he puts, while they in a bedding, he put some tobacco in his nose. So he said to him, uh, would you mind let me take some tobacco? The Ramah said to him, and he said yes. So he took it, and he left it on his table, and they, you know, they continuing, continuing. Then he said, okay, we take a 10 minutes break. Uh, you know, okay, so they go out. He comes quickly to his assistant. He says, see, take this tobacco, take this tobacco box, run quickly to this crooks, to his wife. Run to his wife, knock on her door, tell her your husband send me quickly now to get the gold watch from you that he stole last night from the tenant in a motel. And the sign, there was no telephone. The sign that he really sent me to get the gold watch, he gave me his personal tobacco, tobacco box. This is the sign that he really sent me. He said, look at this, recognize it's your husband. She said, oh, yeah, yeah, my husband love it. He'll never give it to anyone. So, okay, so quick, quick, give me the gold watch. So by the time, he kept, by the, time the break was over, they're coming back in. So he said to the guy, so you sure he never stole the gold watch? No, Rabbi, I swear to you, no. He said, do you recognize this watch? Got to be clever. That's why the Torah said, don't ever lend anything without witnesses. Anything. Okay, now let's move on. So the Gemara says like this. Which sin you make by giving loan to someone and not putting witnesses to witness the case? Do not set a trap in front of a blind person. What does it have to do with blind person? Giving a person money without witnesses is almost forcing him to cheat you. You're putting him in such a test that unfortunately most people will not be able to pass. Once you put the witnesses, you save him from the scene. What is it like you don't put cocaine in front of a drug addict? What do you do? You don't put alcohol or take a friend of yours that is trying to recover from, uh, from alcohol uh, addiction. You don't take him to sit to him and talk to him in a bar when everyone drinks beer around him. You don't do things like this. If you know your friend is a crook, is a thief, first, why is your friend? That's one question. But let's say still, I don't know, you cannot break your, par your, your friendship with him. You don't bring him into your bedroom and say, wait for me here, I'm going to get water. What's the first thing the thief does? Right away, open the drawers, what he can steal. So you, you, you have to recognize the weaknesses of the people you deal with. Same thing even your wife. You know she has a weakness, or your or husband. You don't bring her to violate that weakness that she has. Everyone has a weakness. Sometimes a person is angry, don't get on his nerve. Sometimes a person is lazy, you have to know how to deal with him. You have to match your behaving to the other person you're dealing with, whether he's a friend, whether he's a family member. Otherwise, it's called lo lifnei ver lo titen michshol. There's a question in Halakha. One boss was suspecting one of his employees that he steals money from the business. So he asked the rabbi, Rabbi, I want to invite him to my office and ask him if he knows anything about the money that is gone recently from the business. And I want to leave money in the back, in the drawer, and, mix, and keep the drawer half open and tell him, I'm sorry, I don't feel good. I have to go 10 minutes to the bathroom and leave him over there. And then I know there was $400 there. 
when I come back, if there are three or two hundred, that means right away I'm going to know it's him. So what do you think? It's allowed or not allowed? If you do such a thing, you violate a, uh, this rule from the Torah, you don't put in front of a crook or a thief, you don't put in front of him free money like this, with a drawer open. You don't do it to him, because you know he's going to fail. Unless, if you make the money hefker. Know what hefker means? Hefker means it belongs to the world. The first one who gets it, it's his. Like a person have a, I don't know, furniture that he doesn't want, by taking it and put it on the street by the garbage, doesn't have to announce that it's Hefker. Everybody understand, I can go and get it. Yeah, I can go and get it. I can go and get it. Or I can scream, I have shoes here, which I don't use. Anyone who wants it, it's his. Throw it like this outside. First one who grab it, it's his. First one. And it belongs to the world. And then if he got it and you change your mind the next day, you cannot get it. It's his already. Unless if you made a mistake by giving it up. For instance, there was a case, a true case like this in Israel. Someone had very old records. You remember that used to be big records? Most of you are young. When I was a kid, I had all the records. Yeah, the records. Yeah, yeah, 45. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little records, big records. With, you know, with scratches and the diamond needle. And you always hear in the music, Whenever, it's not like today. So anyway, before, that's before CDs. Once CDs became uh, very famous 20 years ago, slowly, slowly, so the sound is much better. It, it didn't even get anymore the patiphone that was playing this radio. After a while, his wife, the wife always don't have enough room in the closet. Get rid of all your junk. I can't take it. Some people have obsession not to get rid of things. It's a mental sickness, you know. Everything they grab to, a broken disc, a telephone from 20 years ago, a rotary phone, what? No, 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 maybe one day we use it. It's a sickness. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, they have a name for it. It's a symptom. Huh? Hoarding. Anyway, so what happened now? He put all the records in the street, and then his son saw that the neighbor takes it, and the neighbor say, wow, what a treasure, Beethoven, Mozart, this, <laughs> from 60, 70 years ago. So the son of the neighbor who grabbed it told his friend, which is the son of the person who put it there, my father found a treasure by the garbage. All these records, my father said, can make fortune from it. He comes to say to his father, isn't it your record? Why did you throw it? It's worth fortune. He didn't know. So right away, he invited him to Beidin. Two religious people. He took him to Beidin, and what was the verdict? He had to return all the records to him. Why? Nobody put a million dollars in a garbage unless if he thinks it's garbage. It's a mistake. That's called, it's like in business. When you make a mistake, or a person is misleading you, the deal is off. If you're going to marry a woman and they forgot to tell you that she's deaf in one year, they didn't tell you that, and you find out the night after the wedding, you call her, darling, can you make my coffee? No answer. <laughs> Dog, my coffee! Nothing. Then when you call her from the other side of the house, she hears. What happened? Oh, they didn't tell you? I don't hear in my ear. What happened? You can break the marriage off, even though now she lost her uh, status as a brand new product. Now she's going to be a... You know, it's going to be harder for her to get married. It's, at least that's how it was in the old days. 
and she doesn't have any rights because they, they hid the information from you. If she has a flu, she doesn't have to tell you, you know, I have a flu. Oh, you know, that she doesn't have to. But if there is a birth defect or any kind of permanent defect, she must tell it to you. If she didn't, she's taking a big risk that you dump her after the marriage and give her nothing, no rights. You don't give her the ketubah, you don't know anything. And all the money that she spent, her parents spent on the wedding, they lost all the money, plus you can sue them for the damages of the wedding. It's a big risk to lie in the shiduchim. The same thing the other way around. If the guy has a defect, 100% the same thing. If the girl finds out, oh, that's not what they told me, you know? And that's called mekach ta'ut, a mistake. Person is doing a deal based on the wrong information. He has a right to reverse the transaction because it was an innocent mistake. Same thing over here. He said, oh, this record is garbage. He didn't know it's worth fortune. Because in the world that we live in, antiques worth a lot, a lot of money. Antique. Okay. Yeah. So now let's move on. So it says like this. Rish Lakis say, bringing a curse to himself if he doesn't put witnesses and he lends money. Sheneemar, te'alamna siftei shaker, adovrot al tzadik atak. You know, what happened? What happened? When there's no witnesses, the Lashon Hara begins. Oh, he didn't give it to him, he's lying. Oh, he paid him, he's lying. To eliminate all this Lashon Hara, all you have to do is put two witnesses one second and the problem will never start. The rabbi said to Rav Ashi, Ravina and Rav Ashi are significant rabbis in the Talmud. Why? There's many names in, mentioned in the Talmud, even rabbis that were, that were bigger than them, that lived two, three hundred years before them. But they, they were the two that concluded the whole Talmud into the books that we have today, which is approximately 1,600 years ago. The period that the Talmud was written took altogether 400 years. From 2,000 years ago, the generation of Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, all these legendary names, until it was brought and edited and concluded into these books that we have, the Talmud, it's Ravina and Rav Ashi wrote everything without computers, without notes, without anything, all with divine vision, because nobody can write a history of learning. Imagine now you go to Harvard University and there are 400 years, thousands of people learning there for every year. Thousands, and everyone brings his opinion about different subjects. And now you have to sit after 400 years and conclude every word that ever took place in this university and conclude everything without contradictions and always aim to the right truth of every subject and thousands of different subjects. You know the opinion of every student, you know the, you know the arguments, what he say, what he answer, everything. Do you think that there's anybody who can do such a thing? <laughs> Even today, you give a person 5,000 people to help him. You give him computers, you give him the archives, you give him everything in, in front of him. He won't be able to write such a thing. They are the one. So this is who we're talking now about. Ravina is one of the two. 
Ravashi and Ravina. They conclude everything. They have to know in every subject what was the opinion of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. In every subject, what was the opinion of Rabbi Akiva and what Rabbi Meir and what the Rabbi Chachamim and what's here and what did he answer and why here it's different and why over there he says like this and to put everything together, ah, what a job. It's, 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 it's not human, there's no doubt about it. Even in Korea, the Koreans are smart people and they're very advanced now in many things that they do. And one of the things they say that we get our wisdom from the Jewish people. And they send people all the time to yeshivot in Israel to see how the Jews learn the Gemara, the Talmud. In Korea, in every class, Korean goyim learns Gemara. In Israel, only in 20% of the classes, people learn Gemara. 80% learn that they came from the monkey. You understand what's going on? In the Holy Land, the Jews, 20% learn, 80% learn that they are monkeys. In Korea, they learn Gemara daily in schools. That's the wisdom of the Jewish people. You understand what's going on? Why Hashem is doing it to us? To show us that we, the chosen nation, the light to the Goyim, went so low that the Goyim will show us that how bad we are. You understand? When you, this is one of the, of the reasons why when a convert becomes religious, is very strong in religion, that jeopardizes all the Jews. Because every Jew comes to Hashem and says, Hashem, you know how difficult it is to keep all the laws. Right away, Hashem says, look at this Gentile, he became a Jew. It's a million times harder for him. You grew up, your family, your uncle, your father, rabbi, this, cousin, in school, here, everywhere you speak the language. He had all the tools. He came, doesn't speak, doesn't understand, doesn't know anyone. He left all his friends, all his family. Now he has to start from the beginning. Not everybody is nice to him. He's alone in his world, him and Hashem, and get from where he is to not zero, to a thousand below zero, to become such a high level, and you have the nerve to tell me that it's difficult? Ah, the trial is over in two minutes. That's why the Gemara says, Kashin gerim Israel kasapachat. The fact that so many goyim become Jews, making it like a cancer in the skin of the nation of Israel. Skin cancer. Why? A person that has skin cancer, everybody sees that he's sick. Cannot avoid it. It's not an internal thing. Why it's a sickness? Because it shows how bad we are compared to all these people who volunteer to come and search for the truth. And it's true. And you see in history, you saw in history, that there's no way, to, there's no, one answer you can give to Hashem. Once he tells you, what, it was harder for you than this person, than Chris, than Muhammad, than this, than Bruce Lee, and all these people who converted, it's, it was harder? What harder? What, you grew up in China? You grew up in Zimbabwe? Where did you grow up? You grew up with Hebrew, you grew up in Israel, you saw Tfilin, you had a bar mitzvah, your grandfather was a rabbi, what exactly was hard for you? So whatever you're going to say, comes this ex-Gentile and make you mute on the spot. He doesn't do it. Hashem does it. Hashem uses it as an example against us. And that's why it's very dangerous. All right, let's move on. We don't have that much time left. And the, so the, the Gemara, well, hopefully I'll finish this page. So the Gemara said that they send money to Ravina. 
in Erev Shabbat, Friday afternoon, Lishdar Limara Sarah Zuze. He sent him a request, send me alone, ten, ten uh, whatever it was, that hundred dollars, whatever. I, I can't tell you how much it was, ten coins, but that's what it is. Then he or he say he sent him back with a messenger, send two witnesses if you want the money. Nominate witnesses. He wanted to test him if what he thought in his shoe is really practicing. You know? So he saw, he told him, bring me Saadi, Saadi mean witnesses, and we make a note. Shtar, we'll make an agreement that I'm sending you the money. So he sent it to him. And you know he, he made it a very complicated process until he gave him the money with a with a deal with the witnesses and everything. So obviously to show you that not only to teach, basically to live a hundred percent of base of what the Torah says. Now the Gemara says three people are screaming to Hashem and Hashem doesn't answer the prayers. Three kind of people. Maybe I should make you. Wait for the answer next week. Who are the three people? Huh? What do you think? We'll, reach, we'll keep you hanging for a week? No, no, no. Ah, no, you don't like to break. It's like the movies. They always cut it. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, let's see. Why, why, why? What's happened with this air condition? doesn't work today. So, this is what it says. Three are screaming, not praying, screaming to Hashem and do not get an answer. Someone who lends money to people without witnesses. What do you want? It's my money. I want to do whatever I want with that. Worse comes to worse, it's steal it. If you give the money with thinking, if he doesn't pay me back, I don't care. I have plenty. Let him keep it. I'll give it up like tzedakah. That's a different story, because you already come with the attention to give him a gift. If he pays back, fine, I get my gift back. If not, let him keep it. That's a different story. But if you intend to get your money back, you have to do it with witnesses. Who are the other two? Hakone Adon Latzmo, someone who put a master on his head, and someone that his wife is his boss. <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> it's very common in our days. Let me ask my wife. Let me ask the boss. So, this is it. What does it say? Okay, it says like this. What does it mean get, making a master on himself? What do you mean? Go and search for someone to be a master? The Gemara asks, what does it mean? Maihi. What is it? The Gemara say, giving his money to his children in his life. Transferring the business, he's 60 years old. He wants to avoid IRS issues, so he wants to transfer his business to his children while he's alive. So he, so he does not leave enough for himself to live. He's counting on the generosity of his children that once they took the business from him, they will be grateful enough to make him leave. So the Gemara say, once you gave them all the money, you beca they became your master. Now you have to beg your son, send me, send me some money. We ran out of money. No, father, his business is very tight. 
I'll send you a thousand dollars, call me next week. <laughs> All my money became in the hand of this Pere Adam for his drugs and vacations, you know, to buy Christine a new diamond ring. That's what's happening today. So, Akotev Nechasav Lebanav Bechayav, he writes all his money to his children in his life. Or there's another way to get a master to yourself. He comes to another Jew and says, Reuven, you want a loan for me? I don't have my own money. But I can get it to you from my friend John. I have a friend, he has money. I can, I can put, I can get money from him and lend it to you. We'll make a note. He doesn't know you. So you're going to pay us 20%, a, I mean, you're going to pay him 20% interest a year, but I'm going to be the middleman. You don't want to tell him that it's your money, because then he's going to tell you, oh, you're a Jew, you're not allowed to charge me interest. It's a sin, I don't want. So I tell him, no, 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 don't worry, it's not my money, I'm only a broker. I'm taking it from John Smith. John Smith is my friend, don't worry, trust me, we do business together. How much you need? $100,000? No problem, sign the note that you, I'm the middleman, I'm the one who gives you the money, you give me all the payments, I'm his messenger. But it's really his money. Somebody like this, make a master to himself. Why? Why? It's just a matter of time until the guy will meet John on the street or call him in our time and find out that John doesn't know anything about it. And John said, oh, he told you that I gave you the 100,000? Oh, yeah, 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 you're right, it's my money, don't worry. The next thing, he comes to you and says, where is my $100,000 that I gave you? Here is a witness that you say to him that I gave you the money, why are you lying? And believe it or not, things like this happen all the time. When you come to lie in one place, you have to make sure this lie may bring a tragedy to you in another place. You gotta be very careful. Okay, I think we should finish here. That's enough for today. Bezrat Hashem, I wanna make an announcement. Every Monday, I used to speak in Fresh Meadow in 73rd Avenue and 172nd Street. As of the last Monday, we moved. Now it's going to be in Rigo Park, and it's going to be in 9907 66th Avenue, very close to Queens Boulevard. It's where 99th Street connects to Queens Boulevard, one block before. There's a bunch of stores there. You make a left, you're going to see a shul there on the left. Uh, Rabbi Blumshul, yes. Rabbi Blum is the rabbi over there. In case you don't know him, you'll meet him on Monday. And uh, it was very good last time. It's a little bit harder with parking than Fresh Meadow. It's more quiet area. Over there, it's a little bit busier. So someone wants to come, have to take extra 10 minutes before the lecture starts at 9 o'clock because it's harder to find parking in the streets over there. Uh, that's it. So hopefully we'll see you there on Monday, Bezrat Hashem. ברוך אדוני לעולם, אמן ואמן.